The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Hello and welcome to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster and my guest today is Jay Saluzniak of Saluzniak Funeral Home on North Street in Northampton. Hi, Jay. How you doing? It's so nice because you know how to pronounce my name. <laughs> well, I think... <laughs> it's always one of the hardest for most people. But spell it. <laughs> yes, exactly. The spelling... The longer you go, you get somewhere in that CZ area, you, it comes up. C-Z-E-L-U-S-N-I-A-K. Perfect. Perfect. Impressive. Sleazy. Well, <laughs> we we had your lovely wife on uh, a while back, and I don't know if you listened to the episode, yep. but we were like, sleazy, sleazy. It was kind of like it went quickly derailed. She um, had a lot of her friends when we first started dating were like, so what's his name? And she's like, I, you know, it's just this, you're not going to, she wouldn't even tell people. She was like, Jay, just, I'm not even going to get into that last name. And then when we got engaged, there was like, are you going to take his name? And she's like, no. Are you crazy? <laughs> and she was like, that was, that was off the table right from the get go. Yeah. It's, it's a little hard. So yeah. your, your um, spot on the radio, will you tell everyone your spot? Cause I'm sure they've heard it. Oh, it's not easy to spell. It's CZ to spell. Yeah. So. Because growing up, we'd always, like, if you go um, to get a reservation, oh, what's your name? Well, if I say Saluzniak, everybody starts with an S, and they go, and I'm like, no, no. So it just got to the point where me and my father, if anybody asks, um, going to hotel, reservations, anything, it'd be like, can I have your name? J, and I just start, CZ. And <laughs> that pauses them for a little bit, and then they pay attention to me, but... If you have my name already in some system, you get CZ. My name pops up yep. instantly. You know, there's no <laughs> other CZ. So it helps just count it CZ. So you have a funeral home. Yes. And uh, started by my great-grandfather in 1910. So And say his name. It's the Walenti Saluzniak. Yes, Walenti. Yeah. So my great-grandfather. Nobody names their kids Walenti anymore. No, you do not see that often. I um, loved it. It, it was it was so funny because we have um, a picture of him when he graduated from embalming school, what they had back then. And it's so funny because you're like, I could pick him out when I was a little kid. Like, that's got to be him because he reminded me of my grandfather. And another version so you could see the, the family resemblance. Um, but, you know, back then, first generation coming over from Poland – they had the funeral home, but they did a little everything else. He, uh, you know, ran, uh, I think, some gambling uh, venues. And, you know, <laughs> Out of the funeral home? No, across the street, they had a bowling alley. Really? So yeah. back then, you'd, you'd um, have to put the pins back up manually. Yeah. So he was hired. My grandfather used to say, like, he was hired to, you know, they got like a half a penny for, uh, you know, each pin they put back up. And then he'd run booking out of the back <laughs> with all the people. So that's what my grandfather says. We have a little checkered past of how we started the business. And so that was 110 years ago, yeah, right? 1910, so 112, 113 112. now. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and so your great-great-grandfather onto your... My grandfather, group. Frank, and then my father, Bob, and then me. So um, it was very interesting growing up. Is my grandparents' house, you know, so they lived upstairs. So me and my sister, you know, we'd go to her grandparents' house and there'd be dead bodies. And my grandmother would do the hair. She actually did all the ladies' hair. And 
we'd go in and she'd be doing hair and she'd come over and say, hey, you know, come say hi to Mrs. So-and-so. And she'd be talking to the lady because they're usually somebody that she knew. So we'd go up and say hi to the person in the casket, talk with my grandmother and, you know, go about your normal business. All right. So I have to ask, <laughs> any weird ghost stories? Like any weird, Oh, like, there, the funeral home definitely has, and... there's definitely spirits. Um Anytime we've had a new employee, um, we'll, we'll, we'll warn them, and they'll laugh it off thinking we're trying to scare them at first, and then they'll be like, oh, man, you're serious. And my grandfather used to always say, as long as you treat the customers right, you don't have to worry about the spirits because they're always going to be happy spirits. So that's how it's always been. You give good service, take care of the people, and any of the spirits there are happy. And, you know, so you didn't have to be scared of the spirits, but there's always... Definitely doors opening, closing, lights that were off, all of a sudden are on. We've heard, you know, people, like, somebody's got to be here. And you'll yell downstairs and go look for somebody. And, like, I heard footsteps. And you're like, there's nobody here. Um, so that's always been part of the equation working in that house. <laughs> Have you ever had any of the, the ghost chasers come in or any people with any of their, No, like, we actually haven't. I didn't even think about that. But, no, we, we've never really? had any of the... You know, you gotta the get professionals these people in coming here. in. And I mean, you have like legit stories that people could come in and sit with their like seismographs or whatever the I don't even know if that's what they're called, is, but like the like electromagnetic. Uh, yeah, I always detectors. look at it. It's it's, it's a comfortable feeling because um, we've you know we've taken care of so many people. I always think that you know if spirits come back, they're going to be happy. This is where they had their families gather. This is uh, you know all kind of good things. So. Me and my sister, we talk about it now. Like, we never had um, nightmares when we were at our grandparents' houses. And we literally had dead bodies downstairs. But it never scared us because you're always safe and comfortable at your grandparents' house. And you slept there, no problem. Slept like, it there. was never a thing. We didn't know until, um, like, in elementary school, we started having, uh, can we have friends stay over? And sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, my grandparents would call, can they stay over? Great. And then other times there'd be, all the parents are like, no, they can't stay over there. And we finally like, well, why can't they stay over? They were last week. And that's when we realized that, <laughs> oh, because this week we had a dead body and their parents wouldn't let their kids come over. And until that time, we just assumed every grandparent's house had dead bodies in it. <laughs> and it's like we didn't know the difference. Like that's that's what grandparents' houses have, dead bodies. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't something that was weird. We just assumed, you know, as a little kid. It's normal because yeah. they, and they guess all act what? normal. It is normal. It is a part of life. And I think that's a very healthy relationship that you grew up having with yeah. with that part of life, death. It, it, it is one of those things. You couldn't avoid it. And my grandfather used to say, um, back when my great-grandfather was running it and my grandfather first started, everything was different because there was used to being a farmer or near a farm or their best friend was in a farm. And you deal with um, life and death situations differently because you're always around. Animals are dying, whether you're killing them for food or selling them out or just natural causes. You're around that death process, that na natural death process a little more. And he goes, people were just used to it a little bit you know, more. And he goes, then over time, you know, you didn't go to your butcher. You went to the supermarket and your steak's already prepackaged. You don't think about where it came from, whereas people used to go right to the farm and, and buy stuff. So things got a little more, ooh, scary uh, about the whole death process. Um, one of the biggest things for me was when HBO came out with Six Feet Under. 
And that got the world really talking about funerals and death and dying a little more. And as an industry, we're nervous that they're going to make us look stupid or something. But the the show was great. And I remember from then on, everybody would be like, oh, can I can I ask you a question? Oh, you're a funeral director. Can I ask you a question? Where nobody did for years. Uh, but it felt it could people could do it now. And so did you did you always know that that's the path that you would be on? Did you sort of assume no, that you would be? I did not want to go into the business. Um, had no plan on it because when you have the family business, um, you're forced into it. So as a little kid, you don't want to dress in a suit. You don't want to get up early. So it's like, okay, Saturday mornings, no cartoons. We need you to help. And you got to go work a funeral. And it's three degrees out and put on my little suit. And you're like, oh, this is the worst job in the world. What was your job then? Everything. I started probably when I was five. My first job was we had the smoking uh, lounge downstairs because you could all smoke. And I would have to, after the funeral, open the windows and turn on the fan because the whole basement would be filled with smoke. And I always said I never smoked because I'd, I'd be like, You'd be in a fog. I'd hold my breath and run and stand on top of the couch and open the windows, your basement You're, windows, and turn on the fan. I, I can imagine you, like, doing the army crawl uh, yeah, like, exactly. on the bottom. It was like, <laughs> like by everybody's feet. You'd look at it like, Looking adults, why are they crazy? The How can they sit in this place? And, you know, I'd take the nip bottles from outside, you know, underneath the cushions that people would bring in. We actually give out. Um, we had uh, our own cigarettes and our own matchbook covers. Every funeral home did. So... I started there, and I got my first promotion once I was strong enough, probably like eight, where I could help the uh, flower guy, and I'd take the flowers and put them out through the window. And so then I didn't have to go down to the basement and uh, in the smoking lounge anymore. That was my first promotion. So. And I love that you call it a promotion at like five to eight. Like, like I love yes. that in your suit. Like so, it was like already ingrained in your mind. Like this oh, yeah. is like you're like rising up it. in the levels. I got to then move outside once I was a little older. I was I learned how to parallel park a car and park cars um, before I could drive because um, you'd stand on the corner. And, but it was always like in the crappy weather. That's when they needed you, you know, not in the nice weather. So yeah, you're like, nobody oh, wanted to do this it themselves in that weather. You know? It's like, yeah, nobody wanted to work in the crappy weather. So, oh, well, we have to take our first break. Um, but this has been really fun, and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing more about your journeys in the funeral industry. Um, I'm Tara Brewster, and my guest today is Jay Sluzniak from Sluzniak Funeral Home. You've been listening to the Western Mass Business Show. We'll be right back. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and my guest today is Jay Saluzniak of Saluzniak Funeral Home on North Street in Northampton. Um, I love your neighborhood because my grandparents used to live on Woodbine Avenue. Oh, yeah. It's so, a great uh, Ward 3 in our section of it. It's a great area to grow up in. Yeah. 
I remember um, Polito's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The last penny candy store. I don't remember the bowling alley, (laughs) but I also remember the trestle bridge that was sort of on Day Avenue. Yep. Before they knocked it down and the bike path came in that we used to walk across and stuff. So I'm a big fan of your your hood. We used to have a lot of fun there. Yeah. So so before the break, we were talking about all of your jobs or a few of your jobs, five to eight and then eight to parking cars. And so I, I was just laughing that you... You did not want to go into the business, <laughs> even though you were full-fledged, like, getting promoted. Yeah. And I love that you called it that. Yeah, it um, was... It was, like, ingrained in you. It was usually, like, the, you know, the real early mornings, you know, the bad weather, um, when, you know, somebody was out sick or something, and it was last minute, and, you know, you couldn't say no. And my father would be like, well, you know, we'll pay you. And I'm like, well, you're a little kid. And you already paid us. If you go to the movies or something, they gave you money at that time anyway. So I was like, I don't need the money. I'd rather sleep or watch <laughs> cartoons with my friends. So, um, but yeah, it was it was always kind of like we say the outside duties, um, parking cars. You know, we'd, we'd carry the caskets. We'd do the flowers. Um, but you're always outside. So it's either you're in a black suit and it's 90 degrees and you're sweating or it's minus 20 and it's wind chill and you're freezing. And eventually, um, I started making my way back inside and meeting with the families and actually talking to them and and, and arranging the funerals. And that's when things kind of changed. I really understood what my father and my grandfather did. Um, I've talked to them about it over years, but I had a, a person that came up to me a month after I did one of my first funerals and saw me gave me a hug, started crying, and thanked me for um, helping them get through one of the worst times of their life. And, of course, so here's two of us. This person was a stranger a month ago. I'm crying. They're crying. And it was just like, this is the best. Like, I actually made this kind of impact and helped somebody through something. And then I'm like, oh, there is something besides standing out in the freezing cold, and that's just <laughs> part of it. So I realized the, the kind of the help my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather have been giving. And so, you know, it was funny when you when you came into the studio, Babs, Barbara, um, who's been here <laughs> yeah. forever. At, you know, I came out of an office and you both were just going back and forth about funeral homes from back in the day. And she started naming all these funeral homes. So are, are there not that many anymore? Like, yeah. what is the situation with funeral homes in had, the greater Northampton area? We used to have a area? lot of funeral homes. Every kind of little neighborhood have their own kind of... You know, Ward 3 would have us, it'd have Duttons, it'd have eventually Peas, and and um, there was an Ahern Funeral Home different from the Ahern Funeral Home now. Um, and they had, you know, you had your Catholic, your Protestants, your French, your Polish, your Irish. Everything was a little more segregated back there <laughs> of where you'd go. So um, over the time, so the, the family businesses either, you know, shut down, times changed where, you know, Protestants and Catholics could go to the same funeral home all of a sudden, which uh, was still only recently. You know. Shocking. Yes, it was. <laughs> so, yeah, I was shocked when they were talking about all of the different places that, you know, certain people went and you wouldn't step foot into this one because of certain politics oh, of religion. Yeah. And there is definitely, you know, there's and you you can look at our funeral home as, you know, based on when we started the Polish Catholic and. Uh, if you weren't Polish Catholic, you probably didn't come to Saluzniaks. And now, you know, every religion, every ethnicity, you know, it's fully, will, you know, people feel comfortable coming to us as the funeral home uh, of choice. And 
it's no longer the Polish or the Catholic. Our base still is because those are the families taken care of from generations. And uh, but we had a lot of um, a lot of just new families that came in that uh, my father and my grandfather were friends with. Um, I remember our first time we had a, a Jewish funeral, and um, it was so nerve wracking for my father. And I just came back from school, and I'm like, "Don't worry, Dad." I've learned how to do this. You know, I'll run it. <laughs> what school? What school um, did you go to? Lynn University down in Boca Raton. So after four years of freezing up in Vermont at Burlington and uh, University of Vermont, I went down to Lynn University in Boca and got my funeral director's degree, warmed up a little bit. So down there was a great education because there's such a hodgepodge of people from all over the world that are living down there. So the funeral homes dealt with that. And so it was a great education for me to see the differences of different styles, what people want, their traditions. And then when I came home, it was, oh, look at this. And of course, my father would be like, oh, we're never going to sell cremation jewelry. I'm like, yes, we are. And we'd have that little fight from generational, who's the boss? But <laughs> then six months later, we sold our first piece of cremation jewelry. And my father couldn't believe it, you know. So... Uh, it was good that I went down to Florida. Were there a lot of people dying in Florida? I mean, you know, I think of Florida as like snowbirds and, and you know, older, there's a lot of older people <laughs> yeah. going down there. I mean, is it is it like exponentially yeah, you're, larger that people are dying? They're always busy. Yeah. And, you know, because they have their, their general population, which Florida has a lot of people. But then, you know, in the winters, you have all the snowbirds. And we always used to laugh pretty much anytime you're probably flying back and forth from Florida, there's probably a body in the cargo hold coming from some New Englander that passed away while they're on vacation. <laughs> Jump, and we're shipping them back. <laughs> I always imagine the craziest things below airplane like in the cargo hold. So dead bodies. Yeah, for sure. Yep, like definitely. I'm always like, there's going to get like a tiger. Like someone's got like a big animal underneath the airplane and it's going to get out somehow. Yeah. You never know what's down there. And it's right. going to get out snakes on a plane. Right. Anything. Yeah. I'm not really worried about the dead body though. Yeah. Yeah. They won't That's the least of anyone's worries. So do people, People fly themselves back to where they're from to, to have that done, or are they getting it done down there? Like, so what's a the lot story? of people, you know, depends on whether you want um, to see the person um, or whether you want cremation or full body burial. So if you want the full body burial and you want to have an open casket, we're shipping the body back. And uh, so they'll we'll contact a funeral home down in Florida. They'll do the removal and the embalming, everything they need to get the paperwork, and then we'll arrange for the airline to ship them up here. We'll go to Bradley pick them up, bring them back to the funeral home and have the services. A lot of times if they're, you know, families down in Florida or have been with the person or just wants a cremation, we'll arrange with the funeral home down there just to cremate and then ship the ashes. We actually, this past week, we got four sets of ashes mailed to us from different uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and one in Florida, one in California. And uh, so whatever the family wants, we'll help them arrange everything and do all the work, even though it's in a different state. So what's the percentage now of people that are actually going through all of the embalming, wanting the open casket, not getting cremated, getting buried? Like, is it 50-50? Is it 60-40? Yeah, um, we're, we're looking at probably now about 65% cremation. But of that, uh, uh, probably about 25% of that 65 will still have the embalming, have a casketed viewing uh, calling hours. Then after the service, um, that's when the cremation will take place. So a lot of people want the be-all, end-all to be cremated, but they'll actually want the body present for viewing and for family to gather around and stuff. So 
Yeah, but it's going to only increase. Cremation will pretty much be predominant. Um, you know, next 10 or 20 years, um, our state association and federal associations are looking at it's going to be around 85, 90% cremation. That's what we're expecting. And so of those cremations, are people going into the ground? Are they getting spread? Are the urns being kept at the house? <laughs> That's like... a good question. It is everything. Um, we've put in a urn showroom uh, at our funeral home. We have one of the largest in the Pioneer Valley, strictly because there's so many options. And we have our families that they might bury some, they might scatter some, they might keep some. It's more and more families are scattered. You know, your, your loved one might live here, but all their kids live in different countries even. So they'll bury some at their family lot, but each one of the kids or grandkids will put some in jewelry or, or take the urn with them or scatter some at their favorite hiking place. So there's ashes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Josh Simpson planets. Yep. He's trying to spread his planets everywhere too. So. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, all right. Well, it's time for another break. This has been really just going fast and furious here, but it, you've been listening to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and my guest today is Jay Saluzniak of Saluzniak Funeral Home in Northampton. We'll be right back. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and my guest today is Jay Saluzniak of Saluzniak Funeral Home in Northampton. Jay, you have been a um, an owner for 28 years. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> I did the math off the website. I checked yep. it out. I really liked your website, by the way. Oh, thanks. We're um, trying to add to it every every couple months. Yeah, it was good to see sort of who has passed. Um, yeah. I haven't been to a funeral website in a long time, but it was pretty robust in terms of options, um, recent uh, obituaries. Yeah, we're trying comments. to get it. There was like there was like some interaction happening. One of the nice things is um, a lot of things are new, so people have to get used to it. But if you leave a message or if you can you can um, buy a tree to be planted in somebody's memory, if you do leave a message, that can all be placed onto um, what they term a tribute book. And families can um, actually have this book printed with any of the pictures that are downloaded or anybody that sends a picture to the website. It can be downloaded. The families can have those or even other people can buy those. You know, since a lot of people just want to deal with things over the internet now and on websites, you can pay online, you can pick out everything online, you can do GoFundMe. So if, if you need to raise some funds for your funeral services, you can do GoFundMe off of our webpage. So funny, I just donated to someone this morning um, for their funeral services. Someone's yeah. aunt died unexpectedly and obviously... Well, you, you have a lot of times, you know, especially if a death is unexpected, you know, a lot of times people... There is a financial part of, of, of you know, death and uh, they need some help or, or need just a, a little advice. And, you know, we want to be able to help people in any aspect of when the death occurs from doing the services, but helping them get financed or, or paying for things. Or if we have recommendations where they can really go to dinner, you know, in the area because they have people flying in and they don't know Northampton. So we try to be, you know, as full service as you possibly can. And so funeral financing, talk to me about that. There's um, a lot of different ways. Um, we do payment plans with people, 
But uh, again, some people want to deal with us directly. Some want to do it more of a kind of a step apart. And so they have, again, either the GoFundMe page or they have um, on our webpage um, institutions that you can link up with and get loans. So um, you can do it any way that's best. If So, you know, you might be in California, your loved one's here, we're doing the service. And it's just easier for you to go on our website and then go to your bank and get a loan or something. You know, if you're here, you don't have that option. You don't know the banks here. You can go through it on our website and get pre-approved and get so much of a loan and everything. And so I know from what you're saying, there's a lot of different a la carte options to oh, yes. funerals and dealing with death and what you want and how you want to do it and all of that stuff. But is there a range? Is there like an average price of funerals these days? I mean, because I have no idea. I mean, I... Yeah, the, the, I would guess ten grand. But the, the big thing that's is, just a guess. Um, before my grandfather and my father were doing it, it was very easy. Most of you could throw in an average um, quickly because everything was pretty much the same. People did the same things. Nowadays, it's a lot harder. But you know, big difference is you know if you're cremated or you have to buy a casket in a vault or whether you're you know which cemetery you're going to. We have a family that were going um, down to Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge. And to buy the urn grave is $9,000. And then to open the urn grave is another five. So just the cemetery for ashes is 15000 Now, obviously, around here. That's in North a nice Th- cemetery, though. Oh, it is gorgeous. I've um, been there. It is beautiful. The crematory is beautiful. Everything. <laughs> um <laughs> It, it is really I nice. I bet it is. They've got a lot of <clears throat> capital. Yes, it's one of those. But, you know, around here, um, our town cemetery, Spring Grove, it's $600 to buy a grave. Um, we're hoping that they start giving more options for green burials or for niches for urns to help bring the cost down. Right now, if you're going to be cremated, you still have to buy a full grave, which is kind of ridiculous in this day and age, and especially for Northampton not to offer green burials. We are the area that loves being uh, environmentally you know, <laughs> in charge and doing green things. On and the cutting edge of things. We always have to ten, send families to the Hilltowns or over to Wildwood Cemetery for green burials in, in Amherst, and we do a lot of that. And so talk to me about a green burial. What would make it green? Um, we do no embalming, so you don't want any uh, chemicals. You want everything as natural as can be. Um so the person's usually wrapped in a shroud, and depending on where we go for the cemetery, a lot of times that's all we need is just a, a little cotton shroud that's all natural, that will decay naturally. Um, some cemeteries will require a green casket, which just means there's no stains, there's no metals, it's just all natural, like a pine wood box. Or like willow branches exactly. or something. Exactly, willow something yeah, like that. Like... Or tan. It's something natural, not you know anything that's uh, processed that's not going to decay naturally. So... Um, it, it's real nice to have those options. Um, there's up in the Berkshires now, there's a better place floor, uh, forest, which is a whole forest that you can purchase and go up there and, uh, you're, you're going to be buried naturally below a tree of your choice yeah, in the forest. I, I heard about things. one almost starting in Ashfield, but I don't yeah. think it, no, they haven't started the yet. Uh, it, they have to have the right soil and different things and, uh, and to make sure it works and, and rules and, and agreements with the yep. town and yeah. So, but it's, um, you know, the, the cemeteries, 
got it into over the years to have concrete faults. So my grandfather, my great-grandfather, there weren't faults. Everything was wood in the ground. You decay. Then they started doing the vaults so it keeps the land flat. And that helps easier mowing and maintenance. That's the only reason why the concrete vaults are used. It's not for protection or anything like that. Now, the vault companies will make vaults to waterproof or fancier vaults, but the cemeteries are the ones that require it. It's not a state rule or regulation. So if, you know, if Northampton wanted to, tomorrow they could literally allow green burials. Now, there's a little more work because eventually the ground will sink in a little bit. Um, so they either have to fill in the where it sinks in for the mowers to go over, but um, that's the way it always used to be. So if you go to any of the old sections of any cemeteries, that's why the ground's so uneven. The casket eventually decayed and, and sunk in, and um, but it's uh, it's a big thing in, in our area right now. So are you going to start advocating for this, or have you been talking to some yes, city uh, councilors? Who's your Ward 3? Jim Nash? <clears throat> yeah, um, we have a lot of people, and... Uh, with our new mayor, she's been busy in the first year. She, I know it's gotten to her, but we'll be sitting down talking. I know um, we talked before. Um, I met with the last mayor, and uh, we had plans even trying to get a crematory in our town. We'd like to open a crematory, but nothing seemed to actually move forward. So we're going to try to sit there. Our industry is one of those things nobody really likes to— get involved too much to change rules or regulations. Um, but it is one of the few things that everybody's going to have to deal with. So how do you want to go? Um, I look at it, and a lot of people with Michael, my wife, and what she decides, I know she's going to be cremated. Um, I have a family lot here where my parents and my grandparents are going to be. So I always planned on being buried there. Um, I will have an open casket. I believe in that. Um, so I will do that. But if we're not, me and my wife aren't going to get um, buried with my parents, um, if she's going to be scattered, then I'll probably be cremated after the services and I'd have my ashes scattered at the Great Barrier Reef because I love Australia and went down scuba diving after college. And that's where I'd like my ashes to I've go. I've been scuba diving there too. Yeah. So. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, so I'll probably leave some ashes here, <laughs> some in the ocean. <laughs> You know, the thing about ashes is you don't think about it. I don't know if the, the listeners have ever um, scattered ashes, but there's pieces of bone in yeah. ash. You know, like when you, I mean, That's I, where a if lot I of hadn't people... have held ashes, I wouldn't have known this. And I, mm -hmm. it's just, it was so weird to me. I mean, I, I suppose, yeah, you can't burn everything down, but. Pretty much you have a cremation container that you have to be in. And that all burns up and disappears. The ashes are really just your your bones and brittle. So you'll have bigger pieces. Yeah. It's not like flour or sand. No. No. Completely different. No. So do you give warnings to people when they're going to scatter we ashes? We always do. And um, there's a lot of new scattering tubes or all green vessels uh, that look like turtles or shells or buoys that you can go and put in the water and it'll slowly decay and then disperse the ashes underneath because there's always wind. So if you go to oh God, pour out the ashes. We've all too. seen that movie. Oh 
and it happens <laughs> where I warn people, make sure, you know, when you're <laughs> out in the like water. This. Lick your finger. Know which way the wind's blowing. The wind is and, you know, we've had a lot of people go, we went on our boat, and then we had to come in and wash down all the ashes that are in the boat off because, you know, the wind changed. And you're like, yep, that'll happen. So a lot of weird things that happen with people's ashes. Okay, well, we have to wrap up again. Um, second to last time. You'll still get one more of us um, when we return, but Jay Saluzniak of Saluzniak Funeral Home, and uh, you've been listening to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster. We'll be right back. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and my guest is Jay Saluzniak. We've been having a very robust conversation about end of life. Um, Can we talk a little bit about pre-planning and how much time that takes up for you? We do a lot of pre-planning. We should be doing more. It's just better for for families. Um, But a lot of families are still afraid to discuss or think about it. Um, a lot of people have always come in and going, we were going to come in and pre-plan, but we thought we had more time. You never know how much time we each have. You have the financial aspect of pre-planning. You know, if you come in, all of our services and everything are guaranteed. So you're paying today's prices as opposed to 10 years from now, and all the prices will go up like everything else. More importantly, your loved ones don't have to make those decisions. And it's awful hard when somebody you care about passes, especially if it's sudden, and then you have to come in and I'm going to ask you, do you want cremation? Do you want calling hours? Do you want a viewing? Do you have a cemetery lot? Do you have all these different issues? Um, information for the death certificate. Do you know your grandmother's maiden name? You know, things like that where under an emotional time, it's very hard to make those decisions. You worry about, is this the right move? Is this just not? And it also comes down to you know, people like, well, I don't want to spend that much, but I don't want to be cheap. And that extra strain and worry, if it's prearranged, they don't have any of that. So it's one of those best things when I tell people, oh, your, your parent prearranged the rest of the family, your whole attitude changes. They're like, oh, thank God. They like, go by we the don't Johnny have to Blue. Yeah, the, they, they love that. That's <laughs> like what mom or dad wanted. Like, thank God. We're going to go spend the money yeah. on the good stuff. But they don't have to worry about the financial aspect, but they also don't have to worry about coming up and making the right decisions because everybody's worried about what's right. And, you know, they're like, well, we never talked about it. I don't want to make the wrong decision. Well, this is taken out of your hands. This is whether you like it or not. This is what they they have all done. So we've never had a family that come in and sign. Oh, dang, my parents prearranged. I can't do what I want. You know, they're all happy that it's been prearranged. So it's it's a win win for for everybody. Um, It's easier for me to deal with the family. I can tell them this is what we're going to do and explain things. This is what your, your loved one wanted. And so it's uh, less emotional for families to, to worry about things. And, and then they can just be with each other and deal with their grief as opposed to worrying about extra stuff. And so are people calling you? Are they talking to their financial planners about this? Like how are... That's usually they'll, they'll call us um, with financial planners. It's um, great if you know what you're doing or you have a good financial planner and that can put it in an irrevocable trust. But we've had a lot of people that just go, oh, I have money in a trust. Well, if you end up in a nursing home, if it's not an irrevocable trust or set up right, the nursing home is going to take that. And so people, when they go through the financial planners, a lot of times think they have everything set aside. 
But when they actually pass, the money's all been gone. And um, so it's a little easier and it's definitely safer if you come to the funeral home prearranged. The money goes right into um, an insurance, irrevocable insurance policy or uh, irrevocable trust that the funeral home, we can't get the money. It's safe no matter what happens to the funeral home. It's fully transferable. So all prearrangements, if you go with one family and then they close or something changes in that business, you can transfer it to any other business. Um, but it's also, it's it's safe and secure and it's no longer counted as an asset. So even if you end up in a nursing home for 10 years, the state's not going to be able to take that money. The money's always there. I have a road trip with my dad and his wife on Sunday <laughs> to go and visit her 97-year-old mom who's not doing so awesome in Framingham. And I feel like I'm going to talk to my dad and Judy about yeah. this stuff. I'm going to be like, exactly. No. I'll be like, how did we end up in a <laughs> all right? Why you wanted to talk about this stuff? We can't even escape. But yeah. um, it's so good to think about because you know, even for me, we have we have a financial planner, but that person's never brought up any of this stuff. Yeah, um, and we all think we're younger than we are, and we all feel a little better. And a lot of times, people wait um, till they get real old, and then. Tell you, you know, once you get real old, a lot of times then you don't want to think about it anymore. You're, you're never too young to start making those arrangements or at least having something down there, uh, what you want. Yeah, and I think that you're right. You know, you do never know when your time is up. So um, it's good to plan <laughs> ahead. Are people going into this business? You know, like you say, you're part of associations and you're doing this advocacy. No, they're and, not. Yeah. And our industry is uh, in a panic. I'm looking for full-time licensed employees. It's something that with corporations buying up uh, funeral homes and not having as many families, you're looking at you don't have the family people going in as many times, and you're not having people from you know, outside the families uh, trying to start a new career. So we're always looking for new funeral people. <laughs> <laughs> and why do you think that is? Do you think people don't want to get into the industry because it's just not not a happy time or it's not I a... think it's more people just don't think about it. It's just like a death. They don't think about anything until one of their loved ones die. They don't look at it. You're you're not usually going to be growing up where your parents are like, you know, be a doctor, be a dentist, be a lawyer, be a funeral director. <laughs> that that one usually gets left out, you know. <laughs> so, you know, if you have uh Schools, they don't, the guidance counselors don't bring it up. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a great business. You you help people a lot, and that's what you go into it for. Um, now, some people don't like the hours, um, which we do a lot of weird hours, <laughs> get called at 3 o'clock in the morning, but you get used to that. And uh, But it's just I think people don't really even think about it as an option, but – there's good, there's good salaries. There's great benefits. You're doing a community service. Um, you meet a lot of people. I've met so many people that have become now close friends through this business, which I never would have. Um, and again, you just, you do a lot of good. And so talk to me about the calls and, and the things like that. I mean, are you literally getting calls from people saying, my mom just died, come and pick up the body? Like, yeah. I just, I mean, what is, what is that call like? Like, what is that? It's, we'll have anywhere from, you know, I'll be at the funeral home, nothing going on, front door bell will go off and I'll come down and people just came right from uh, Cooley Dickinson. Their loved one passed and they haven't even called. They just stop in, go, my spouse just passed or my grandparents just passed or my child just passed. And 
We merely sit down, go through everything, and it's very emotional. We have a lot of people that will call me that have gotten um, cancer diagnosis or disease or something that they're not going to be able to survive, and they know it, and they've been given a time frame, and they'll come in and will prearrange their own funeral, and that's always difficult, obviously, when you're talking to the person and they know that they have three months to live, uh, but they're going to get everything settled so that the family doesn't have to deal with it. And then we have, you know, somebody that you, you're found dead at your house, whether you die in the hospital or nursing home. So we'll get calls from the medical examiner's office. We'll get calls from family, from hospice nurses. And it's literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So three o'clock in the morning, Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, your birthday, your anniversary, which usually your spouse doesn't like that you have to leave your dinner and go do something. But it's um, it's one of those where you learn to, my wife says I have my business voice. I can wake up at three o'clock in the morning. She goes, and you answer that phone completely different, you know, and it's professional, but caring. But she says it's a whole different voice than if, you know, you were calling me and just say, hey, let's go out. Um, and it's part of the business that every funeral home deals with. And so talk to me about your, are they called attendance directors? Yeah, so you have. I always uh, feel like those are kind <laughs> of like, like, I don't even know, like the, the men in black usually. Exactly. Like I don't want to categorize. I'm sure there's a I lot of women the in the industry. Help. But. Uh, I'll put them up against any funeral home uh, anywhere in the country. I have the best help. Um, local people that are born and raised here that know people. I have a lot of teachers, coaches. Teachers are great in our business because they deal with everybody in society. Um, but uh, I have Tommy Parent, Eddie Shaughnessy, uh, Jim McGrath, Mike Longley, Danny Cronin, and they all have connections. So they feel um, they work great. They're compassionate because they know they're going to see these people in the community. And that's a really big part of it. People are everything. Employees yeah. are so important. Oh, yes. And especially in a small town where you have a business. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with you. So um, we have to start wrapping up, but I just wanted to make one last plea to you. One one ask. I really want to get um, cremated on a funeral pyre. So if you could work on that, because <laughs> okay. I think there's only we'll one place on in that. the whole country and it's in Colorado. <laughs> and so I keep telling Maddie's going to have to take a bus ride out with me on the thing and all my friends and have a party. But if you could work <laughs> we'll on that, that after done. the green burial, that'd be great. Perfect. Um, so I just want to say thank you to Business West and George O'Brien. They're one of the sponsors of the show. I got to see George yesterday in East Hampton and he was telling me all about the upcoming events, 40 under 40 and um, Difference Maker which I was a difference maker last year, and he said I have to be there. And then also Greenfield Savings Bank, who's my employer, who I love so much. Thank you, GSB, for all the great work that you do in the community, 10 branches throughout Franklin and Hampshire County. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to you, Jay Saluzniak of Saluzniak Funeral Home, for being my guest on the show today. It's been amazing. Thank you for having me. And I uh, hope all the listeners will keep listening to Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster. Thank you so much. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP.